0: Log Talk Radio Friday everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is February the 3rd, 2023. Oh, goodness. Uh, we've passed Groundhog Day. Um, hopefully spring is in the air, but here in New York tonight the temperature is about to plunge to single digits. I hope that wherever you are, you're warm and comfortable and safe. Uh, boy, but this is winter global uh, ch- global climate change, notwithstanding, we still have winter, folks. You know, it, it's just so amazing to me how uh, people don't question anything they're being told and how increasingly the news media is trying to shut down or the people that have access to the news media are trying to shut down debate discourse. Um, I was going to teach debate on the college level way back when, and then I had the opportunity to become a federal agent, and I made a career change, but debate is a form of what I call intellectual capitalism. You bring your ideas to the stage, and then you have an opponent, maybe more than one opponent, and the audience, the consumers, if you will, get to decide what they want to buy, what sounds better, what is more reasonable. And generally, when you hear that expression, two heads work better than one, It's because we all bring to that debate, to that forum, to that discussion, perhaps to that disagreement, different viewpoints that help us to see things more clearly. It's about synergy, you know? And uh, just a couple of uh, weeks ago or a couple of days ago, Newsmax was taken off of satellite radio, this radio. And very upsetting. I'm a frequent guest on Newsmax. And it would appear that this is a form of censorship by the radical left. By the way, they are not liberals, okay? Let's get the the nomenclature straight. Liberals honor and celebrate the First Amendment. That's how I was raised. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat because the old Democrat Party, not this new, I'm not sure what in the world it has become, the new Democrat Party, they want to shut down debate and cancel anybody who disagrees with them. I was raised by parents who taught me to honor the fact that other people have different viewpoints. I might not agree with them, and they don't have to, but they have as much right to be heard as I do. That's the idea of the First Amendment. I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. And increasingly, that notion of you have the right to voice your opinion is going the way of the dodo bird. That's our fault for being intimidated. For backing down we need to be able to get our voices heard period i'm talking about a peaceful exchange of ideas no violence here no no weaponry other than the weaponry of our minds our mouths our ability to write and articulate the ability to gather facts and evidence and make a clear convincing case for our And if we disagree that's fine that's what being americans are about we should be celebrating when we disagree and i don't care if it's about abortion or school prayer or, or being woke, we have the right to be heard. We have the right to disagree, okay? And that's not what's happening in America today. We are taking an ugly turn, and everything seems to hinge, at least on the lunatic left, on identity politics. You know, it's not that somebody did wrong or said something they shouldn't have. If you criticize someone, and I'm thinking of uh, Ilon Omar, Oh, my God, they want her off the committee because she's a black woman. No, because she's a rabidly anti-Semitic person who has a viewpoint that's dangerous. You know, again, you're entitled to your viewpoint, but there is a limit. You cannot cry fire in a crowded theater. And it's remarkable that when the Republicans were dumped off of committees, not necessarily for cause, the Democrats were just fine with that. We hear all this business about the insurrection and Trump challenged the election. How dare you? Al Gore did that when he ran against Bush. Hillary Clinton did that when she ran against um, Trump. I really won the election. She went around the country, wrote a book, went crazy. I really won. The election was stolen. Then we brought That brought us to the Russian collusion case, and that brings us – to the article that I just wrote for Front Page Magazine about Charles McGonigal, the FBI SAC Special Agent in Charge of the New York Field Office Counter Terror, Counterintelligence Division. He was involved with Operation Crossfire Hurricane. And so <laughs> this was, if you look at all the facts, you know, just a, a screwed up investigation that was based on a fatally flawed steel dossier And as I wrote in my article, it appeared that the effort here was to delegitimize our government. And back when I went to Brooklyn College, I took a political science class, and one of my professors memorably said to us that when the citizens of a country believe that their government lacks um, credibility or, or lacks legitimacy, almost always revolution follows. How better to attack the legitimacy of the government then attacked the legitimacy of an election that brought a president to power. We're living in a very perilous era. And it is absolutely astonishing. And the American people need to wake up and stand up and say, no, we're not going to allow you to take from us the First Amendment, which is at the foundation of all of our freedoms. Because when you can no longer speak your mind freely, you have no other freedoms. Everything else goes away. That's why the First Amendment, in point of fact, is the First Amendment. And, you know, what's really astonishing to me is – and I've been saying this for the longest time – the U.S. border isn't just about Mexico. Okay, we've got a northern border with Canada. We've got 25 – I'm sorry uh, – 93,000 miles of coastline or 95,000 miles of coastline surrounding the United States We have international airports. And all the politicians, for the most part, and the media want to talk about – now that they're finally talking about immigration – We're back to this notion that we have got to secure the Mexican border, and then we can talk about comprehensive immigration reform. We heard this 20 years ago when they did a bunch of hearings about providing benefits to illegal aliens and all sorts of other nonsense being foisted on America by both parties. You know, for the longest time, if I spoke on a radio program or or, or a public speaking event, and I talked about how Ronald Reagan gave us the first amnesty, gave us the visa waiver program, laid the groundwork for the diversity visa. And by the way, the amnesty program was so screwed up that we as immigration agents could not share an amnesty file with any other agency. Think about that. If the FBI or ATF or the New York City Police Department came to me and said, we're doing an investigation into Joe Smith, He's a naturalized citizen from England, Germany, France, Latin America, didn't matter, you know, wherever. He became an American. We need to see the file. He's a suspect in a murder. He's a suspect in a kidnapping. Whatever the deal was, we would let them see the file. All that we would remove is what we call third agency material, reports that might have been in the file that were written by other agencies because we don't have the authority to release other agencies' reports to a third agency. It's called the third agency rule which, by the way, is why Bush or how Bush did so much damage to immigration by making ICE separate from Customs and Border Protection. So if I have an ICE file, I can't share customs material because that's a third agency. It made everything unwieldy, made it almost impossible to coordinate anything that we were doing, and this was by design. It's both parties. But my, my, oh, my, if I said that to anyone, they'd go nuts, and they said, you know, The idea that I could show a naturalization file, the guy came here illegally, the young lady came here legally, did everything by the book. And that whole file is subject to review by other law enforcement agencies for legitimate uh, law enforcement investigative purposes. But if that alien got amnesty for having been here illegally, there was a red flag that got put on top of that segment of the file, and it was sacrosanct. If the FBI, in theory, came to me and said, we've got someone running around the country with an atom bomb, and he's going to vaporize an entire city, we need to see what's in the amnesty file, because that seems to be the only place where there might be photographs or or the address of his mother, because we think he, you know, I couldn't show it to them. I would have been committing a felony. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. So the whole system seemed to be out there protecting people who were here illegally going back to reagan and if i did speak ill of reagan and his amnesty or anything else people would go crazy we have got to understand something folks i don't care what party you affiliate with or don't affiliate with i don't care if you're an independent or you subscribe to the hopping kangaroo party political leaders need to be subject to scrutiny just the way any other employee is subject to scrutiny. Now, I'm not sure why certain decisions were made or not made. That's not my job. I'm not a mind reader. But when mistakes are made, when actions are taken, when laws are passed, when money is not allocated to enforce laws or provide other uh, assets and resources to get the job done, then we need to call the politicians out. That's our job as Americans. And people would get furious. Oh, my God, you can't speak ill of Ronnie. I heard that when I went to, to Southern California. This is Reagan country. This is Ronnie's country. Well, eventually, hey, I did a speaking event, and I, I insisted that either I get to explain everything as I saw it or don't bother sending me a ticket. And I will tell you, I think what I had to say was an eye-opener back then. This was shortly after 9-11. There are vulnerabilities in the system, loopholes, call them what you will, that have been repeatedly exploited by criminals, fugitives, terrorists, gang members, the cartels. And I don't care who's behind those laws, the regulations, the decisions, whoever does it, you know, you break it, you buy it. This isn't about picking on your pet politician. There is no pet politician, folks. You have to look at things objectively and with clear eyes. And so you look at what happened after the amnesty of '86, and we we actually had several of the people that participated in the '93 bombing of the Trade Center that killed, six, <clears throat> pardon me, injured over a thousand, and damn near brought the tower down sideways. That inflicted a half billion dollars on that iconic landmark in Lower Manhattan that subsequently was obliterated on 9/11. And so you have to understand that some of those terrorists made use of the loopholes (laughs) created by the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986, that massive amnesty program. We need to learn from our mistakes. My dad used to say to me that there's no mistakes in life, only lessons if we learn from what goes wrong and change what we do accordingly. But to not change, to continue to do the same dumb things again and again and again, Uh, Not acceptable, as as I believe Einstein had said. The definition of insanity is doing the same things the same way and expecting a different outcome. So the big push was on to comprehensive immigration reform roughly 20 years ago. We can't arrest them all, right? There's 11 million. We've been hearing 11 million for 20 years, unbelievably. So the best we can do is give them lawful status. Really? Why? Do we do that with any other area? We we can't grab all the drunk drivers, so what are we supposed to do? We we can't stop all the reckless drivers. They drive too fast. Should we give them Ferraris and and Lamborghinis because at least those cars can be driven fast at, at safely if you know what you're doing? <clears throat> Maybe we should be sending speeders to the racetrack for training so they can speed legally. You know, when I when I discussed the idea of driver's licenses for illegal aliens in New York State many years ago. I said, you know, the idea that they're going to drive anyway, they meaning the illegal aliens makes no sense. People will violate all of the laws anyway, and if you want to meet them, go to the local jails. You'll get to meet them. And some of them were really creative to be able to get free room and board at the local gray bar inn. But I said this notion that since they're going to drive anyway, and the only thing we could then do is to give them driver's licenses so they can drive safely, I suggested that perhaps we ought to be giving convicted felons carry permits for firearms since they're going to carry anyway. And if you give them a carry permit and give them instruction at the range and they're more accurate when they shoot, hell, they'd be less likely to hit an innocent bystander in the event of a crime, in the event of a shootout or a drive-by. Maybe, as an added bonus, you could even convince them to install trigger locks on their guns when they're not out using those guns to commit violent felonies. The Democrats, by the way, got up and walked out. It looked like a fire drill. The Republicans thought it was hilarious and agreed with me. But that's the whole point. We are inundated with fake arguments and fake terminology. We're being told now that the aliens coming across the southern border are migrants. No, they're aliens. Jimmy Carter started this nonsense, this Orwellian nonsense. The term alien is not an insult. It is a legal term that is defined by the Immigration and Nationality Act of all things, that overarching body of law that pertains to immigration for the entire country, every aspect of it. And under that body of law, the term alien simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. Where's the insult? Where's the pejorative? There is none. The problem is it provides clarity. And when you're dealing with con artists, and unfortunately all too many politicians are, in point of fact, con artists, the last thing they want is clear language. So we started calling them undocumented workers and undocumented immigrants. And they loved using the word immigrant because America was built by immigrants, so if you oppose immigrants, you're anti-American. So I came up with a way of defining or or differentiating illegal aliens from an immigrant. And they said, well, the difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. Well, you all love company, but not when they come through our bedroom window at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? So the language has been deceptive and forever changing. Um, And now we're going to call these people migrants. There are American migrant workers. They work on farms and they travel from farm to farm doing work that very few people could do and they're american citizens and cesar chavez who started the united farm workers union was vehemently opposed to allowing illegal aliens in because it lowered wages provided competition for these hard-working american migrant farm workers but now we're going to call them migrants not aliens they're migrants because they're migrating across our borders it reminds me of the swallows returning to Capistrano, right? What could be more normal than migrating? My goodness. Well, I've come to call them what they really are. They are clients. They are clients of immigration law firms. They are clients of these NGOs, these non-government organizations that laughably we refer to as nonprofits, even as they get contracts from Uncle Sam to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. But they're nonprofits. Wow. How in the world? Does somebody get hundreds of millions of dollars and we declare that person or that organization to be a nonprofit? It, It blows my mind. But this is all part of the name game, the Orwellian way of twisting facts, twisting language to confound any rational conversation about a topic that has extreme national security and public safety implications. It blows my mind. You've got New York's Mayor Eric Adams running around saying, oh my God, we can't take any more of these migrants. Oh my God, you've got to stop. You've got to give us money. The federal government needs to help us. The state has to help us. We have too many. And I, I was astonished to listen to him standing there in front of the cameras and saying, it's time for the federal government to pass comprehensive immigration reform and fix the problem. Comprehensive immigration reform. Wow. So we're going to take tens of millions of illegal aliens who snuck into the country, right? We have no idea that they're here, who they are, where they're from, what their names are, what their potential affiliation with criminal or terrorist organizations might be, what warrants may be outstanding in other countries, if not this country, for violent crimes. But the solution is we're going to give them all a pathway to U.S. citizenship without the ability to interview any of them. It'll be sight unseen, cat in a sack almost like Obama's health care plan. You won't know what's in it until after you vote for it. You won't know who we let in until they're here. Which brings me to a very interesting article that was published, um, because if you remember, when we left Afghanistan, it was a total mess. Um, We turned tail and ran, thanks to Mr. Biden. And which brings us also to the balloon. I'll I'll try to squeeze in something about that balloon and what my concerns are. This could be a, a trial balloon, pardon the pun, perhaps for putting a bomb, you know, and this is out of my area of expertise, but I've been reading an awful lot about this. The potential for creating an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse that would take down the power grid if you detonate a nuclear weapon high in the atmosphere over a city. Imagine if all the electricity went off. And we've never hardened our power grid. We've been warned about it. By the way, the sun can throw a massive solar flare at us, something that businesses call an electromagnetic pulse, and it could take down the grid also. And that could happen three hours from now, or it could happen three years from now, or never. We don't know. It's really Russian roulette with the sun, as well as people that want to destroy the country. You would think that securing the power grid upon which... Millions of American lives depend would be a priority. And we've known about this for decades, and we've done bupkis about this. I mean, think of the insanity that happens with this government. This is certainly not the greatest generation. I fear we could become the last generation. But going back to who we let in in Afghanistan, this comes back to the problem of vetting aliens. So on September 27th, 2022, this past September, the Washington Times published an article, FBI money request signals ongoing problems in vetting Afghan evacuees. And the article starts out by saying, tucked inside Democrats' new spending bill is $15.3 million in emergency money for the FBI to investigate Afghan evacuees brought to the United States during last year's chaotic airlift. Congress is pumping the money into the FBI just a month after Director Christopher A. Ray told lawmakers that the Bureau was having to conduct, quote, lots of interviews. To keep track of the Afghans and obliquely warned of a number of disruptions of activities, lawmaker said that the money is the latest evidence of a hasty evacuation that jeopardizes American safety. And it goes on and says the Biden administration's decision to let tens of thousands of unvetted Afghans into our country first and ask questions later is backed by it. Said Representative Thomas P. Tiffany, Wisconsin Republican, "quote We warned well over a year ago this would happen, and two inspector general reports have since confirmed these fears." but the White House refused to listen and the horses were already out of the barn. So once again, what are we saying? We have no way of properly screening people who are here. We have no clue. And 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. We have no idea who's here. The numbers of aliens are so great, there would be, as I say, no interviews, no field investigations. People that aren't even here now could come here next year and claim to have been here for the last 12 years. How in the world could you refute that claim if you don't have the resources to conduct a field investigation, knock on doors, show photographs, speak to neighbors, speak to people that work in in, in schools and so forth? I've done investigations like that. And when you're dealing with a few people, it's very easy to do, but it is time-consuming. You probably need Two or three days per case, maybe a week per case. How many people do you need to hire if we're going to process 25 or 30 million applications? Half the country? And then we're finding out, as I've been saying all along, that the northern border is a problem. Fox News reported on January 28th, just about five days ago, here's the story, Vermont border apprehensions in the last three months, more than past two years combined. The Swanton sector encompasses all of Vermont and some counties of New York and New Hampshire. How many times have I said that New York hits the trifecta? Because we have international airports, we have seaports, and we have a northern border. So here we are. They're flowing across the northern border. No one's talking about the international airports, by the way. I'd like to know. How many visas have been refused by aliens by this administration that seems to be hell on allowing anybody and everybody into the country, even if they have significant criminal histories? And then we've got 95,000 miles of coastline. So little fishing boats can go out, meet another vessel at sea, and come back with, with an extra 23 people on board, and we have no way of knowing. There is no limit to the way that people can enter the United States under the radar, covertly, including terrorists, criminals, fugitives, members of the cartels, and so forth. And then, and then, because we always have an and then, the Justice Department announced the indictment of Iranians who wanted to kidnap and and or kill a woman who is a naturalized citizen living in the United States who criticizes Iran. And I did an article about one of those knuckleheads who's been arrested. He showed up on her doorstep last year, and he had an AK-47. The Democrats hate guns. Well, this guy had an AK-47 that was stamped made in China, but the serial numbers were obliterated. He had a couple of thousand dollars in cash, and according to one news account, he had an expired employment authorization document, (EAD). The Department of Homeland Security issues that document to aliens who are pursuing lawful status. So while they're pursuing lawful status, they're able to work. When did he come in? Where did he come in? Why did they process his application for lawful status? What happened to the application? Why is nobody talking about the immigration aspect of this case? Because everybody, and just about everybody, refers to this guy as Yonkers man. Because he told the cops that he went to this woman's house in Brooklyn because he lives in Yonkers and the rent was too high, and he wanted to go to Brooklyn where he thought the rent would be lower, and he was full of uh, fertilizer. And it's amazing. It's Yonkers, man. These are all immigration stories that are being ignored for being immigration stories. And what's so remarkable, disappointing, and worrying to me is you have a whole bunch of politicians, Democrat and Republican alike. I've been saying this right along. They're all in on this gag. You know what you call it when the Democrats and Republicans get together, especially on issues like immigration? They call it bipartisan agreement. I call it collusion. How's that work? Collusion. So I've seen Republicans doing an interview on the news and they say to the republican senator congressman whatever what do you think we need to do with the mexican border and the guy gets very serious he says we've got to secure it this administration is not doing what they need to do maybe we need to impeach mayorkas by the way that's fine but mayorkas is doing what he's doing at the behest of the president and the vice president and how many people has he put in key positions throughout dhs sprinkling them like pixie dust over at Citizenship and Immigration Services, the locksmith to America where they give out green cards, citizenship, political asylum? How many of them are working at our ports of entry, admitting aliens who never should be admitted? How many of them are running investigations for homeland security or in charge of elements of the U.S. Border Patrol? Because Mayorkas is appointing lots and lots and lots of people, and I guarantee you that the people that he appoints are fellow travelers. They have the same twisted view of America and the immigration system. This is a hydra, a multi-headed snake that we're dealing with. Should we get rid of Mayorkas if hopefully there's a change in the winds come two years from now? Absolutely. Maybe they should look to prosecute him for the irreparable damage that he's done to America's national security in violation of the Constitution. Specifically, Article 4, Section 4, that states that the states of the United States, and to be provided with a Republican form of government and guaranteed protection against invasion and domestic violence. Well, this certainly is an invasion. And look at the domestic violence that we're dealing with between the drugs and the cartels and the gangs and the potential for terrorism. My goodness gracious. All the jumping up and down about Trump. Oh, he's, he's unconstitutional. Article 4, Section 4. Why is that almost never discussed anywhere? Maybe in Texas, maybe in Arizona, we're hearing them raise the appropriate issues. And by the way, one of the other things that that Eric Adams said is we need to quickly give these aliens permission to work in the United States. Why? This is sanctuary city. No one cares, and the administration doesn't care. But why would you give employment authorization to aliens when you're going to displace Americans? It's remarkable. The Democrat Party used to be the party that supported American workers. That's why I became a Democrat. My dad was a construction worker, and I think the world of blue-collar Americans, because without blue-collar Americans, we'd be living in caves and in tree houses, or maybe not even tree houses, under trees, perhaps. So the Democrat Party went from protecting the jobs and wages of American workers to knifing American workers in the back um, and and, and creating a, a crime wave. You have to wonder, by the way, if they're getting money, perhaps, from the funeral home industry, because I don't think they've ever had more business than they have now from all the decisions being made at the city, state, and federal levels, releasing criminals and gangs and drugs and you name it, mayhem into our streets across the country. I've come to call the Democrat Party, in point of fact, the deathocrat Party. So you, you look at all the lunacy. And you have these Democrats and Republicans alike being asked about the Mexican border. We've got to secure that Mexican border. This is terrible. We don't know who's here. It's a threat to national security. Okay, I agree. And then they say, without prompting, without being asked, there's no way we can work with our friends from across the aisle. Here comes collusion until we secure that southern border. So is it okay if terrorists come in through Canada? Think of the article about Vermont. Is it okay if they come in on boats? Is it okay if they come in through international airports and disappear? Because most of the terrorists who were involved in terror attacks on 9-11 and in the decade leading up to 9-11, and this is according to the 9-11 Commission, most of them came through international airports. So are we only upset when terrorists come across the Mexican border But if they fly into America, that's cool. I'll tell you, if you were a terrorist or a fugitive or a criminal, how would you rather enter the United States? Would you rather come up with all those hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens, criminals among them, perhaps be subjected to exposure to dangerous, deadly diseases? I mean, think of the conditions. It's a mess. Would you like to come up that way? And maybe spend weeks walking or being driven or being put on trains, whatever the mode of transportation, with all these people from all over the world coughing and spewing, whatever, and you have to worry about getting sick. Or would you rather get a passport and a fake name, hop on an airplane, maybe even first class, and sip some wine, watch a movie, take a nap, land at an international airport New York? Dulles, LAX, you name the place, right? And then stroll across the concord of the airport, hop into a waiting car, and vanish into the night. Now, you tell me how you would rather enter the United States if you had the wherewithal. If you were a terrorist or a fugitive or a drug dealer and you had the ability to do it, would you rather come up the, northern, the southern border that way? would you rather hop on an airplane and a few hours later, here you are in New York, in California, in Chicago, in Miami, name your city. And no one is talking about how terrorists have entered the United States through international airports using documents, altered passports, visas procured by fraud, lying and concealing their identities and their affiliation with criminal or terrorist organizations. No one's talking about that. But what we are hearing is the immigration system is broken, and we need to use this broken immigration system to give tens of millions of illegal aliens a path to U.S. citizenship. And you're hearing this from Republicans as well as Democrats, often without prompting. Just stop and let that sink in. What is going on? What in the world is going on? There was an editorial in the publication, The Hill, that was sent to me yesterday, last night, by the former counsel to the, Republic, the Democrat side of the Immigration Subcommittee in the House of Representatives. In fact, I worked with him when I testified a couple of times with Sheila Jackson Lee. There was a time when we had rational conversations about immigration shortly after 9-11, because everybody knew that we were at risk. Somebody once said very wisely that nothing helps the person focus than contemplating the hangman's noose at dawn. Well, we were very much concerned with the hangman's noose shortly after 9-11 and with time and money and pressure, God knows extortion, the politicians went off the rails and that's where we are now. So anyway, it was a very interesting editorial and I noted it in my, uh, announcement about today's show, and I've given you a link. I suggest you go and read it. This is a very important article, written by both Tom Homan and Mark Morgan. Mark Morgan ran Customs and Border Protection, and Tom Homan, of course, was the acting director of ICE. I know both men. Um, I've done TV interviews with Mark Morgan through the magic of, you know, Zoom, Skype, whatever. And and Tom and I have met each other several times at a variety of venues around the country where we both showed up. And they're both good guys, and they both worked for Donald Trump, and they both tried to do what they were supposed to do. So they wrote this op-ed yesterday for The Hill, and the title is, The GOP Needs to Pick a Side on Border Security. Let me read a little bit of this to you, because it's amazing. They, they, They nailed it, except they don't talk about interior enforcement. Come on, nobody wants to talk about interior enforcement, the big dark secret, right? In 2022, Republican leadership made numerous promises about securing the border, ending the Biden border crisis. Let me do that again. Goodness. In 2022, Republican leadership made numerous promises about securing the border, ending the Biden border crisis and reducing illegal immigration. Then a month into this new Congress, they are already breaking their commitments. If securing the border is the football the GOP is Lucy. During the campaign season, it's all about securing the border. Quote, no questions asked, unquote. Once safely elected, however, some members, quote, focus changes to their members, the members focus changes to comprehensive immigration reform or backroom deals that hold border security hostage to mass amnesty and GOP leadership indulges them. Is that not what I've been saying all along, right? 1986, 2007, 2013, there's long been a massive disconnect between Republicans' tough rhetoric on cable news and the campaign trail and the policies they support on Capitol Hill, and the disconnect is on display once again. Representative Chip Roy, Republican from Texas, recently introduced H.R. 29, which would address the massive problem of asylum abuse. It would require illegal immigrants to apply for asylum to either remain in the custody of Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, while their claim is adjudicated, or return to a safe third country to await the outcome. Individuals can still apply for asylum, but H.R. 29 ends the current practice of releasing those who do so into the interior of the country while their claims are processed. The latter is the key. Around 90% of the claims filed by illegal immigrants detained at the border are ultimately found illegitimate. And even though 9 out of 10 will be ordered deported, very few will actually leave. Folks, that's because there is no interior enforcement and no agents. Connect the dots, okay? And it goes on and says illegal immigrants can't demand due process and the right to claim asylum but not adhere to a court's final decision. Illegal immigrants know that if they claim asylum, they will be released into the United States and under President Biden's policies, almost never deported. The article goes on, I urge you to read it, and point to fact that was what the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel said. Once in the country, once they apply for asylum, once they apply for temporary work permits, DACA, it'll take so long for the applications to be adjudicated, and meanwhile, they're free to wander around the country, learn English, acquire resources, and plan the attack that they're going to carry out. That's how dangerous this is. So the article goes on and says, Representative Anthony Gonzalez, Republican from Texas, called the measure not Christian and anti-American, falsely claiming it would ban asylum claims. Representatives Don Bacon, Republican from Nebraska, and Maria Salazar, Republican from Florida, who supports amnesty for the tens of millions of illegal immigrants in the United States, also expressed public opposition. Roy's measure boasts, 60 co-sponsors, three House Republicans have spoken against it, but Speaker Kevin McCarthy has backtracked on his pledge in the commitment to America to placate the renegades. What are we doing? And now if you look at these stories, we we had a, a case of a Chinese spy who got into the military under a program known as Malvi. Now, this is kind of interesting. I wrote about this. Let me see if I can pull this up. I thought I had it here. Start it. File, open documents. Just bear with me. But, you know, the problem is I've been screaming about all of these issues about the lack of integrity to the immigration system, right? And meanwhile, all that we're hearing about is the southern border. So here is the press release that was just issued. This was January 25th, 2023. Chinese national sentenced to eight years for acting within the United States as an unregistered agent of the People's Republic of China. It goes on and says the Chinese national was sentenced to date eight years in prison for acting illegally within the United States as an agent of the People's Republic of China. A jury in the Northern District of Illinois last year convicted G. Kun, I guess, C H A O looks like Q U N, thirty one on one count, the conspiracy to act as an agent of a foreign government, specifically the People's Republic of China, without first notifying the attorney general. One count of acting as an agent of the People's Republic of China without first notifying the attorney general. And one count of making material false statements to the U.S. Army. By the way, how did he enter the United States? He wasn't born in the United States, but we ignore the immigration angle all the time. And so it goes on and says that evidence presented at trial revealed that J- Jai worked at the direction of high-level intelligence offices at the Jiangsu Province Ministry of State Security, a provincial department of the Ministry of State Security for the People's Republic of China. Gee, a Chinese citizen residing in Chicago, my point, how did he get in? Where did he get the visa? Did he run the border? Who knows? Was tasked by Zhu Yan Jun, I guess a deputy division director within the Ministry of State Security, providing an intelligence officer with biographical information on certain individuals for possible recruitment by the JSSD. The individuals included Chinese nationals who were working as engineers and scientists in the United States, some of whom work for U.S. defense contractors. This tasking was part of an effort by the Jiangsu Provincial Department to obtain access to advanced aerospace and satellite technologies being developed by companies within the United States who was sentenced last year to 20 years in federal prison for being convicted in the Southern District of Ohio of conspiring and attempting to commit economic espionage and theft of trade secrets. Now, here's this interesting paragraph. In 2016, Jay enlisted in the U.S. Army Reserves under the Military Accessions Vital to National Interests Program, also known as MAVNI. He falsely stated that he had not had any contact with a foreign government within the past seven years, okay? Now, what's interesting about that was I wrote about the threat posed by this very program, MAVNI, back in 2017, because the Pentagon said, gee, we're having a problem vetting the people that are signing up to join the military when they're from other countries. So I wrote about that in 2017, and here we are in 2023, and this guy has now been convicted of gaming that process But no one is talking about how he entered the United States in the first place. They clearly say he's a citizen of China. Did he fall out of a balloon? The idea is to not let Americans understand that there is a very clear, indeed a crystal clear nexus between multiple failures of the immigration system and the risk of espionage, terrorism, gangs, you name it. Don't talk about immigration. Uh Uh-uh. Yonkers man is from Azerbaijan, but we'll just call him Yonkers man. The fact that he entered the United States, we don't know how, but he's here. The fact that he was given an employment authorization document by Homeland Security, we don't know when he got it. We don't know under what circumstances. And only one or two publications were even making note of it. Most of them just called him Yonkers man and didn't even mention that he was from Azerbaijan. We're being blindsided by the media. We're being blindsided by the politicians from both parties. You know, it, it's remarkable. I, I, I love using analogies. Those of you who are familiar with my work know that. In fact, I remember one time uh, I was on Fox and Friends, and I, and I said something, and one of the people said that I was the, um, the master of analogies because I jokingly said this was when Hillary Clinton was out there and the president of Mexico came to the United States. And if you remember, this is, gosh, it has to be 10, 15 years ago. And they arranged for a joint session of Congress to greet the president of Mexico, and he got a standing ovation. And we were discussing that, and we were discussing Hillary. But what I said on the air at the time was, if anyone believes that this president of Mexico that sends us more illegal aliens and how much narcotics, is deserving of, an, of a standing ovation. If you think that's appropriate, then you would probably believe that a person who puts cheese on a mousetrap is simply trying to feed hungry mice, which cracked everybody up on the set. Because I do believe that analogies and a little bit of humor can somehow get people to remember things and stay focused. So you, you look at where we are with everything that's happening, and, and what well, we've been hearing about the border. We have to secure the Mexican border, which is, you know, it, it's important. I, I, and I want to be clear. This doesn't mean that I don't think we should secure it. But everyone is so driven about the Mexican border. I wrote an article where I said that the Mexican border was only the tip of the Biden immigration iceberg. And sure enough, somebody wrote a comment about how to secure the Mexican border, and it involved lots of electricity at the top of a fence. The article was not about the Mexican border. That was my whole point. (laughs) If that was the only thing we had to worry about, we'd be doing really well. But everyone's become fascinated, fixated, focused on the Mexican border to the exclusion of everything else. In fact, um, Tom Cotton was on Fox, um, I guess it was the Faulkner Focus, I believe. And he said, you know, we can't do anything about comprehensive reform until we secure the southern border. And Faulkner, Harrison Faulkner said, by the way, here's this article about what's going on in Vermont. And he seemed flummoxed. And I was disappointed. I like Tom Cotton, But why are you volunteering anything about comprehensive reform? I feel like we're being set up. You know, slide it in. Get the public convinced that this is what we have to do. I I read something interesting about how salesmen operate. They did some sales back in college. And we're all really salespeople, aren't we? When you meet people, you're selling them on your ideas. You're selling them on whatever, you know. The relationships we have besides business relationships, it's about selling ourselves. We want you to like us, you know, you're you're selling. But I I read something interesting that good salesmen, let's say a car salesman, when you walk in, they, they start to ask you questions so that you start to answer in the affirmative. Are you here to buy a car? No, I'm looking for a container of milk. Of course I'm here to buy a car. So your answer is going to be yes. And are you looking for a Chevy? Well, if you're in a Chevy dealership, I don't think you're looking for a Rolls Royce, so you've got to say yes. And then after a couple more yeses, which loosens you up and you get accustomed because people are afraid of salesmen, they got to pull the wool over their eyes, kind of like Nancy Pelosi, you know, the, the scam is on. And then they will hand the person a pen and say to the person, why don't you write down how much you're willing to pay for that car? Now, why are they asking people to write the number down instead of just tell them? because they want you to lose that resistance to picking up the pen that he's hopeful you will use in the next 15 minutes to sign a contract with him. So it's a game of psychological warfare. Get them to say yes a number of times. Get them to pick up a pen. Get past their, their resistance, you see. It's about breaking down resistance. And I feel that's what's happening right now with comprehensive immigration reform. What do you think we need to do on the southern border? We've got to secure it so that we can pass comprehensive reform. Really? Why do we have to pass it? No one asks you, why are you volunteering it? And then when you look at the southern border or the northern border, well, now what are we going to do to secure that? How many border patrol agents do we need, folks? How many border patrol agents do we need if we're going to secure the southern and the northern borders? Because the northern border is twice as long as the southern border. How many agents are we talking about, considering that you have to staff five days a week, 24-7. So you have three shifts, five days a week, and you have to have weekend coverage and so on and so forth. What do you need? 500,000 agents? And then what? And no one is talking about what happens once people get past the border. That's interior enforcement. They disappear. They don't show up for hearings. That's interior enforcement. They commit immigration fraud. Uh, that's, That's... the mission of ICE, not the Border Patrol, and yet all we're hearing from the Republicans, we don't need 87,000 IRS agents, we need 87,000 Border Patrol agents. Really? I'd like to see 87,000 ICE agents, frankly, because any alien who is determined to enter the United States will ultimately succeed. During one of my early hearings before Congress, I said that the immigration system was kind of like a balloon. It's It's a closed system. A balloon is an interesting device because when you squeeze one end, it bulges someplace else. If you secure the Mexican border, aliens will come in on boats. They'll come in with airplanes. They'll come in across the Canadian border. I don't know if you folks know this, but how many of you remember Miami Vice, that really terrific TV series that focused on Miami and the drug trade? That was all about Colombian drugs being smuggled into the United States through the southeast of the United States on speedboats go fast boats. And then under Reagan and under Vice President George Herbert Walker Bush, they created the um, Drug Task Force, the South Florida Task Force, to interdict the boats. We used Coast Guard and we used the Navy and we were stopping the boats and seizing the drugs. And our prosecutors were working with Colombian prosecutors to lock up cartel members. And guess what happened? In short order, the cartels said, wow, this isn't working. They're seizing our drugs. They're seizing our boats, and they're coming for us in our own backyard. Let's go through Mexico. So they shifted. And that was when Mexico became the focus for the drug trade out of Latin America, but not just Mexico. They're still mailing it in. They're still sending it by all sorts of means and so forth, boats and you name it. But Florida cooled down. And, in fact, I can tell you that when we were doing surveillance up at DEA, Overnight, Roosevelt Avenue, which had been heavily Colombian, almost as though someone had turned a knob, became Mexican. Flip. We went from Colombian to Mexican in, in short order. Why? Because now the drugs were flowing up through Mexico, and Mexicans were now moving the drugs into the United States, and that provided insulation to the cartels in, in Colombia. So the point that I'm making is that you apply pressure here, it bulges there. If you're going to get in your car and and, and drive over to grandma's house or go to work or or wherever you're going, Uh, I know with GPSs we tend not to do it as much, but what do we always used to do? Turn on the news radio stations. Why? Because they provide you with two vital services, the weather report and the traffic report. And why is a traffic report important? Because if you found out, like in Brooklyn, if I want to go to Manhattan, there's a whole bunch of ways you can go. Those of you who are familiar with New York City will appreciate this. If you're not, bear with me. But you can go through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. They call it UL Carry, but for me it will always be the Battery Tunnel. You have the Brooklyn Bridge, the Manhattan Bridge, the Williamsburg Bridge, the Midtown Tunnel, the 59th Street Bridge. And then you have the Triborough Bridge. All these different ways of getting into Manhattan. So if I hear, for example, there's a crash on the Brooklyn Bridge, well, maybe I'll take the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Maybe I'll take the Manhattan Bridge, you see. You find an alternate route so you can get around the impediments. Do you not think the smugglers will and have done the same exact thing? So we have got to do everything to go after all of these threats, but the easiest way is interior enforcement. So that once you come to the United States, there's nothing for you here. I explained that, again, using an analogy, when I said on on Lou Dobbs tonight, I think it was my second appearance when I was on Lou's show, he was over at CNN, we were talking about illegal immigration, he said, Mike, what the hell is going on here? And I said, look at it this way, Lou, nobody would break into the amusement park if they could not get to go on the rides. And here, we're paying for them to ride, so why in the world are you surprised? And he broke up so heartily that they had a break for an unscheduled commercial. It was quite funny, actually. But doesn't that analogy work? Nobody breaks into the amusement park if they can't go on the rides. Very simple concept. We were told that the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986 would turn off the magnet that draws the great majority of illegal aliens into the United States because many of them are looking to work illegally. So the idea was we will go after the employers. Great idea. But they never hired agents to do it. So all they did, was quadruple the workload and didn't provide any more agents to get the job done. That's always the game. We need a new law. No, you actually need agents to enforce the laws that are on the books for the most part. That's the dirty little secret. So we've been told the immigration system is broken and all we hear about is the Mexican border. And to go back to the analogy, I said that securing the Mexican border is kind of like a wing on an airplane. Without the wing, an airplane doesn't fly, but the wing by itself goes nowhere. Simply securing the Mexican border won't get the job done. But it's one element of what needs to be a coordinated, unified system to secure our borders, enforce the immigration laws, and go after people who commit fraud. You know, When, when people used to argue against the construction of the border wall, they would say, well, if you build a 20-foot wall, they'll come with a 25-foot ladder. Yeah, they will, but they can also come with a green card because a green card gets you through the port of entry with a smile and a wave. A green card. Immigration fraud. People lying on the applications. And Mayorkas made it clear when he ran Citizenship and Immigration Services for Obama that he wanted every application approved even when they shouldn't have been approved. Even when he was warned that people making applications to treaty investor visas, the EB-5s, may have links to Iranian terrorists. And they also alleged in an ABC report that he was doing favors to Terry McAuliffe, providing visas for people that were helpful to his cause. So this whole system has been corrupted. Corrupted. So just securing the Mexican border isn't going to get the job done. It's only one element of a multifaceted system. I I call this border security and the immigration colander. If you plug one hole in the colander, you don't have a bucket. You still have a colander. It just doesn't drain quite as fast. It's nuts. And you have these Republicans saying we need to give lawful status to people, even though we don't know who they are, even though we won't have the capacity to interview them, even though we won't have the capacity to do any kind of field investigations to make certain they're not lying about when they got here or who they are or who they're affiliated with. But they're all for border security. Really. They want to give you a wing and tell you lots of luck on your next trip, but that wing isn't going to go anywhere because they purposely ignore all the other elements of what should be a coherent system, you know, the rest of the airplane. Here's your wing. Have a nice day. Don't forget to send a postcard. Where am I going? I just have a wing. Well, it's too bad. That's the best we could do for you. The wing isn't going to get you there. This is a failure by design because they have been bought and paid for by the US Chamber of Commerce, by the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and by all these NGOs, non-government organizations that are laughably referred to as nonprofits. Nonprofit sure thing. Wow. And it's time that we get it that we get the point across to these politicians that we're not the idiots that they hoped that we were. You know, I will never forget 9-11. I lived through it. I will never forget the politicians who stood there banging on the podium. You know, why didn't they connect the dots? And you have Nadler, the former chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, saying that anybody who wants to secure the border and is opposed to this wide-open border is a xenophobe and a MAGA Republican. Really. Nadler represents New York, part of New York. Nadler had that seat back on 9-11. Some of Nadler's constituents who were idiotic enough to vote for that clown are dead. They died because of 9-11, or their family members died because of 9-11. And someone needs to ask each and every politician two questions. Number one, how are your plans in the best interest of the average American? Don't tell me what what the, quote, immigrants want, the migrants want, or the employers want, or the Chamber of Commerce want, or the immigration lawyers want. But you also have to ask them, have you read the 9-11 Commission report? That was the one question that I wish that Trump had asked Biden. Instead of asking Biden, can you spell law enforcement, Joe, which was ridiculous, he should have said, Joe, have you read the 9-11 Commission report? Because all of those terrorist attacks, and not just on 9-11, were only possible, only possible because of multiple failures of an immigration system that Biden wants to use to overwhelm America. And that's why I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine that I said that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. They want to drive Americans into poverty, so they have to go to the government for handouts. And once they give you the money, there are strings attached. I remember as a kid, when I got an allowance, my mother could say to me, Mike, I don't want you buying comic books. What was I going to do? My mother gave me the money. She controlled what I could do with it. Once I got my first job and my second job, if I wanted to buy a comic book or whatever, it was my money. You control people by making them indebted to you, which is what the government is doing, or as my father has said, what the Democrats are doing. Or as my dad said, if you want to turn a capitalist into a communist, take away his money. Look at what has happened to the purchasing power of the average American. It's in the tank. Now, maybe we've got a good jobs report. God only knows who they're not counting because they've given up looking for work. That's something that nobody wants to talk about. But there's so many ways of playing the numbers, you know. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. But at the end of the day, the average American has much less purchasing power. My dad was able to buy the house that I'm living in way back when I was a kid for roughly three years of his gross paycheck. Today, it would take a construction worker, because my dad was a plumber. He was a construction worker. It would take the average construction worker 12 years of the gross pay or 10 years of their gross pay to buy the very same house. That's a big, big difference. The middle class is under attack. Our freedoms are under attack. And all that stands between us and them are we the people. If you find my program interesting and helpful, please share the link with your friends, neighbors, everybody. Be part of my Bucket Brigade of Truth. Please check out my article at Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, and share that also. Knowledge is power, and I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. If we're going to turn things around, it will be done by us, not them, I can assure you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay warm. And I'll see you next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Good night, everybody. Be well.